Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Lots to look at on this market as we do every day. But uh, the fact that we got some green on the screen and some well, positive numbers going for this cattle market and the feeders as well. We are definitely going to be diving into what's going on in this cattle market. we got some muddy waters. How are we going to see through that? And then the pork. Exports all-time highs to one country. We're going to find out more details. All of this, of course, coming from Brad Coima, 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 and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. And let's start out with this cattle market, Brad. It's got that bearish feel to it. Is it going to continue? Well, you know, first of all, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy this, Susan. Um, you know, I think if you and I had talked this morning at 8 o'clock, you'd have got a kind of a little bit of a discouraged view of the market. And unfortunately, you know, one update here is probably not going to change my view a great deal. Um, I, I, you know, it's June and we're under delivery now. And I know there's some people wondering about the steep discount to the cash. Um, so just, you know, a quick little review. Uh, I, I looked at what happened during the April contract while it was under delivery. Uh, and trust me, it traded at a steep discount too. Anywhere, you know, the second week it was as much as nineteen dollars under cash, and the last week, uh, at least based on the Texas Kansas average price for cash, it was still over twelve dollars below cash. So we never really did have conversion during the April delivery. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, deliveries are tricky on its best day, but deliveries when you're having a hard time finding a packer who will buy cattle, will take them off their hands. Uh, makes that long speculator under delivery even that more prone to not want to participate. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, there's a little more to it than just the fact that it looks cheap compared to cash. Um, speaking of cash, Susan, I'm, you know, that, that thing's on a, on a, a downward trend here as you're seeing some of these, um, you know, bids deteriorate here. I, I've never seen a cash marker where I quoted a $10 range in a given week, but that's the way that cash market's been. Uh, there was a little bit of trade today at 165 and 166. Uh, yesterday, 170. There was some reported trade in South Dakota, um, and and you know the, the the it just feels to me like as this box beef breaks back down, uh, that these cash market bids, these cash bids are going to come down with it. How low are we going to see these box beef go? Considering how crazy high that they went, we lost 102 dollars in one week. Friday to Friday. Um, I don't think we'll see that again. I, I don't think I will anyway. Um, this the the box beef level was give or take two ten to two twenty before the whole COVID reaction began and the impact of it. Um, I guess I think we get back to that level. Uh, I can tell you that there are those that feel we can get cheaper than that. I'm afraid I'm kind of in that camp that we could see the boxes go below 200 for a while. Um, you know, it, it, it's a strange, strange deal. It, and, and I'm a beef producer and I want the market to go higher. I hope everybody understands that. But you've got a situation now where you've got a end user that two weeks ago got this beef price to him at a level that's out of sight, right? And so they can read the newspaper too. You know, they probably noticed that the boxes have gone down a hundred dollars in a week. So what is that potential buyer? Is he going to buy a lot of meat today after he feels like he just got gouged like nothing else two two weeks ago? You know, so you, you've changed the market into a hand to mouth kind of a market here until we get the the product where he can use it, where he can sell it to a consumer. Um, you know, seven eight dollar hamburger doesn't work. We do see it below four dollars. Some of the places around here now, which is more like it, 
but this whole adjustment um it, it it reminds me as a kid driving the baler you know and you'd run to this great big pile in the in the windrow where it was where it was too big and and if i didn't do it right my brothers yelled at me because i, I sheared pins on the baler right it's you you, you are going to be able to work this slug of of beef and live cattle through the through the system but it takes a while and i would be worried that we're going to spend the better part of 60 days i hope it's only that uh, of working through this supply through the system at some point i mean the consumer are we starting to see the backlash from them saying enough is enough on these prices well unfortunately yeah um i i i i know that there's even some high-end restaurants in some of the bigger towns like uh, you know obviously i know a lot of people in chicago but you know they've decided to not open even though the governor says they can in some areas because they go well I don't know if I can, you know, we're already charging a big price for a ribeye and I've got to change that price, you know, every five minutes. And, you know, so they're kind of taking, well, let's let this thing settle down. Maybe we can at least, um, you know, figure out what we've got to do uh, in terms of, you know, getting used to the new normal or whatever you want to say. So I, I think at a retail level too, it's June, you know, unfortunately we missed the, we missed that real, um, uh, best done, best time. Um, the, the the biggest beef feature weekend of the whole year is Mother's Day traditionally. Um, let's all take mom out to eat, or let's grill her a steak. Probably a New York strip. You know that's the highest price time for New York strips is the two weeks before Mother's Day. Uh, then you follow that right up with Memorial Day, nicer weather. Let's all cook out, and then Father's Day, and then after that feature is over, then you typically go to a hot dog hamburger deal and. Uh, I, I, I don't like our chances of featuring a lot of $7 hamburger. Hopefully, we've got that market adjustment done by the time we get into that part, and we can get back to a little better demand. And obviously, the consumer is kind of putting the, the money where their mouth is when it comes to making Correct. these purchases. <clears throat> yeah, and, you know, the consumer is, <clears throat> I always get a little uncomfortable when I'm asked these kind of questions. I <laughs> We've got a great product, right? I mean, we do. And, 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 and uh I, I do think that there's a segment of the economy that has proven that you know what they're going to they're going to eat a high end piece of beef no matter what. I mean that's a, whatever that's the kind of economy we have. Um, but <clears throat> with the whole <clears throat> uncertainty of the restaurant trade, <clears throat> you know that high end consumer that's willing to pay fifty dollars for a ribeye uh, that didn't work because the restaurant wasn't even open. But it just feels to me like it's going to take us longer than we think it ought to. Well, stick around, folks. We come back. We're going to finish up on what's happening in the livestock trade and then a look at the grain market on this Tuesday. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation with Brad Coima. And Brad, I was talking about this over the commercial break, opening the can of rooms, maybe getting a little political, but this latest inquiry with the Justice Department, I mean, they're not subpoenas, but they're pretty darn close to what they're asking for. At what point do you start to see the markets react to that nervousness? Well, it's, I think that there's, you know, there was, there's been so many calls made, uh, for that very, um, inquiry, uh, to the Department of Justice, you know, from, well, from, uh, you know, I know the Iowa Cattlemen's group that I'm involved with, even the NCBA group that I'm involved with, as well as our Senator Grassley and many others. Uh, I know that there was, I think that our team of 20 or 21 others kind of led the charge in requesting a Department of Justice investigation. Um, <clears throat> into uh, packer activity. Um, so 
and even uh, you know sunny Purdue um, so some of this I think was obviously on everyone's radar now I I guess I would also say this um, I'm glad they're doing it uh, of course but I would also say this this is a marathon uh, you know the 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 uh, uh, indictments that were announced here was that a week ago now to in, in, the, in the chicken deal uh, Pilgrim's Pride etc um, that was an investigation that began in 2016 um, government moves very slowly um, and I would expect that uh, and you notice you haven't heard a peep yet of any kind of idea uh, in terms of the uh, the Holcomb fire investigation and that was August of last year of course uh, so I would expect this will take a while now you know, in terms of if you're asking specifically if I see some market disruption because of this, um, I, you know, I, I want to be delicate here, but I, I, I think that, you know, some Packer bids have been influenced by, you know, what, what the Packer himself views as what proper optics ought to be. They don't want to, I mean, they want to, uh, I think there's at least some of the packing industry that, that wants to try to support the cash market a little bit, and I'm glad for that. Um, but if you really get down and dirty and disrupt the way they do business a lot, you know, that could be a little bit of a tenuous uh, situation in the marketplace, too, in the short term. Not that I'm I'm not defending or, or accusing anyone, but um, I, my guess is that'll take a long, long time, and uh, uh, we'll be talking about this for probably a couple of years. So still got to get through the muddy waters, um, at least in the next 60 days, and maybe start to see a bit of a turnaround? I would like to think that maybe in 60 days that we've had several weeks of 650 to 660 kill, uh, that we've taken this beef back to a level that everybody can use it, the whole channel, the whole supply chain, uh, from us to the, to the consumer, um, and, and, and get a little more of a, a feeling like everybody's getting a shot at getting some cash cattle sold. Uh, the last while, the formula cattle have really been uh, taken up a, an awful large percentage of the number of cattle. Um, you know, you got a packer that's willing to buy two loads a week or something like that. That's not going to cut it when we get into the middle of our calf run here in the north. So, you know, the need to get aggressive with <clears throat> the bigger kill and trying to keep this stuff moving is imperative. Well, let's look at the at the hogs because there is some some exciting positives that are happening in that market and and the fact that we saw some all time export highs going to China. Yeah, and I think that kind of went. You know, this good news seems to just go right under the radar anymore. Like, like you know, you don't hear about it. But yeah, that last week's uh, monthly total was the best month ever to China ever, including when they were stocking up. Remember that for the Olympics. So, <clears throat> you know, as they round the corner on their COVID nineteen crisis, um, uh, you know, it's clear that they're needing to, uh, you know, to generate a bunch more protein imports. Um, you know, I, I think there's a bit of a story there, too, uh, in terms of uh, the grains and particularly the soybeans. Uh, uh, you know, you notice you haven't heard a great deal of new talk about African swine fever either. Um, so as they get their hog herd back on the road to recovery, they need to buy feed. Um, some and, and, you know, less supply back there for obvious reasons, right? Uh, what, this, what, what the producer had to do to cope with not being able to get hogs dead uh, with euthanasia and, uh, going on. Um, so there's some hope out there for the hogs, but that's an industry that's been beaten to a pulp. You are a bit friendly on the grains, even though some negativity today in the trade. Well, yeah, today was a tough day. I, I, but yes, I, I've been a little bit friendly for a couple of reasons, actually. Um, one, like I maybe you know hinted at a little bit, I think that there's some long-term demand potential from a 
from uh, from from China. Um, the other thing is, like, you know, particularly to the to the corn. Even though I I know what the carryout is, I know so does the market. I know what happened to the ethanol industry. So does the market. Uh, I know that they think we're planted ninety six or seven million acres of corn. Yeah, everybody knows that. I mean, so you've got you've had just a you know, just a armload of negative negative news that's built into the market. Okay, well now what? You know, maybe the acres weren't quite that big. Maybe the weather's less than perfect. Corn belt. Um, I thought today's down was largely off of good crop conditions and, a, and the forecast of rain. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brad? Well, you can give us a call eight hundred three five eight. 3047. Thanks so much. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss. They're not suitable for all investors. That's a Fontenelle final bet. Brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network.